Steve doesn't need any introduction uh, uh, amongst us. He's a great friend. He's a real blessing. He's a man of God. And we're going to be inspired this morning. Thanks, Steve. Great. Morning, everybody. It's nice to be with you. Lovely day. And happy September. <laughs> I thought it was a great time of worship, didn't you? I loved, uh, loved the way we were led through this morning. I love, uh, love praising God and experiencing the presence of God. You know, Psalm 16, it says, In your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. It's wonderful, isn't it, that we've been invited into the presence of God. And we can dwell there forever. His goodness and mercy will follow us every day of our life. How many have experienced God's goodness and mercy through their life? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Put up your hand if you've experienced a lot of God's goodness and mercy. <laughs> yeah. We love you, Lord. We love you. Please keep me, Lord Jesus, this morning from being long-winded and boring. And please glorify Jesus and bless this people and open up your word to us. Amen. I'd like you to turn this morning then to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read a very famous part of the Bible. A magnificent section. Well-known section. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves. Not look into your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Can you say amen? Then the next word says this, therefore. Whenever you read a therefore in the Bible, it is there for a reason. It is a conclusion, it is a deduction of what has gone before. Theology is a deduction of what has gone before, it follows this. Because of that, this follows. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, 
not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, <clears throat> for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We just moved into September, and uh, September is a very special month, particularly for those at school and college, because really it's the start of a new academic term. And you, like me, when I, I used to be at school many years ago, you you'd sort of dread September a little bit because you thought, oh, another year at school, <laughs> here we go again. And you, you go and you get a new teacher and what they would do, they'd welcome their new class and then they'd outline the syllabus for the year. This is what we're going to be doing, this, this, this and this. And so you get a, an overall picture. And what happens here <clears throat> in this passage is that we have the very verse that we read, we have an overall picture, we have an outline literally of the Christian life. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He said this is these verses in verse, verse 13 and 14 where it says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, they're the verses I'm going to preach on. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says that is the perfect presentation of the Christian life. The perfect presentation. Therefore, my dear friends, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act for his good purpose. We live in a day where we've <clears throat> rejoiced very much in the grace of God. We thank God for the grace of God. And uh, we've learned a lot about that in our day, but in some areas, and I've met some Christians who feel that the grace of God at the end of the day means that we just become laid back and quite lazy. And actually, we just sit back and God does it all. And uh, when I first went into the ministry, not so far from here, many, many, many years ago, um, there were one or two things I was struggling with in the church as a, a young leader, and you thought, well, I'm not sure about this. And I said to one of the, said to one of the deacons at the time, what would you do about this? And so he said to me, he said, my dear friend, he says, you just, uh, you just let go and you let God. So I thought, wow, that's profound. You just let go and you let God. And it seemed amazing. And then I thought about it, and I thought, I don't agree with that at all. That's so far removed from what the Bible says. The Bible says this, it says, it says in Hebrews, run with perseverance the race that's set before you. The Apostle Paul says, I've fought the fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Peter says this, he says, abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Not just, oh, well, you just lay back and do nothing. No, no, you, you fight the fight, you run the race, you persevere, you press in, you dig in. 
James says this, and we can find it with all the apostolic writings. He says, you resist the devil and he will flee from you. And rather than the Christian life being a sense of, oh, just ease and armchairs and sofas and comfort, we find these sorts of words in the New Testament of battle, warfare, conflict. We need armor. We need a shield. We need a sword. We need perseverance. We need to run. And we find in 2 Corinthians that actually we're called to be co-workers with God. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, you've got to be like a leader who presents himself as a worker who's not lazy, but who rightly handles the word of God. And that's the sense of digging in, working hard, hard work. That's what you're to be like. You're to be like a, a farmer. Farmers work very, very hard. The hardest day's work I've ever done in my life was working on a farm. You thought you worked from the dawn till dusk, and boy, was it hard work. You've got to be like an athlete that runs and gets ready to compete according to the rules to win the prize, not just laid back. And that's the whole language of the New Testament. And when we come to this very passage, there are a couple of things I say by introduction, and I really want to make two points this morning. But first of all, he says, therefore, when it, it uses that word, therefore, that is a conclusion, that is a deduction. And because of all that Jesus has done for us, because we've broken bread, we've remembered that he died to cleanse us from sin, that he's given his very life for us. Therefore, it's in the light of that. Therefore, this is what God has done. Therefore, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling because of what we've just had. That beautiful meal, that lovely time to worship, is not we just walk away. No, therefore, you continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The second thing that he's saying by introduction is saying, therefore, my dear friends, there is no sense that he was speaking to unsaved people here. They were, they were Christians. Therefore, my dear friends, He's not telling people that you've got to work for your salvation, but he, what he's saying is that now you are saved, now you work it out. So he's speaking to Christians. It's not to work for your salvation, but because you're saved, you now work out what God has worked in you. That's by the way of introduction. Can you say amen? amen. So two points. The first point then in this is our part and the secondly is God's part. First of all, then, our part. He says, continue to work it. Continue. I speak to myself at the start of this term. Continue. Not just suddenly start, but no, you continue to do it. It's a lifelong process where you continue to work out your salvation. And the word work is a command. It's an imperative. Continue to work. Work at it. Work at my Christian life. Yeah, yeah, work at it. Work at my marriage or job? No, 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 work at it. You work at it. You work at my job? Yeah, yeah, work. And the work, it's an imperative, it's a command. And a, a famous commentator, Hendrickson, says this. He says it, it implies a continual, sustained, strenuous effort. That's what the word work means. Continue to work. Continual, sustained, strenuous effort, this term. <laughs> That's what we've got to offer this term. Continual, sustained, strenuous effort. You go, ah! Well, in the light of what's gone before, you work out your salvation. Get that on board. Get that in your mind. Not just laid back and let it all go and God will look after it. No, no, no. You continue 
to play your part. I love the grace of God. I love the grace of God. This is what the Apostle Paul says about the grace of God. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And the grace of God made him a hard worker, not lazy. And it's the same for us. It's a continual, sustained, strenuous effort. That is the language of the New Testament. It's not grace to just be laid back and easy, easy, easy and let it all go. No, no, no. Continual, sustained, strenuous effort. And it's grace actually not to carry on sinning, but it's actually grace to say no to sin. It's grace to stop sinning. It's grace to abstain. It's grace to make a choice and walk away from that TV program, from that thing, to switch it off. It's grace. Grace for me. And I find that there are battles which you have to, which are lifelong battles. You don't sort it out once. You think you've got to continually keep the fight up. I'm just, well, yesterday I turned, I turned 69 yesterday. You think, woo. I never realized you could get this old. <laughs> I thought I'd be young forever. And you suddenly think, I've got to, I've got to continual, even at 69, continual, sustained, strenuous effort in my walk with God, what I think about, what I do with my eyes, what I look at, where I go. You've got to, you've got, you have to keep the fight up. Terry Virgo once said, he said, the devil doesn't mind how long he waits to get his man. He doesn't matter. Well, I want to keep up the continual, sustained, strenuous effort. You continue to do it. Continue. Don't give up now. No, continue. Dig in. Don't just lay back. No, I've had enough. No, continue to press in. Do you do that with your Bible reading? Do you do that with your prayer life? Do you do that in the Word of God? Is that for you a continual, sustained, strenuous effort? Or do you say, oh, God's not answering my prayers? Well, let me ask you, is your prayer life continual, sustained, strenuous effort? Or do you think, oh. Some people I, I meet, they say, I don't understand the Bible. It's astonishing that God would give to us a book with complicated things in it and expect us to understand it. And I find this, you have to work at it. You have to dig in. I've been reading, I've been spending a year this year with Phil Moore. And he's a friend of mine from, um, how many have heard of Phil Moore? He's gone, oh, right, a lot of people. Okay. How many have read of his book, any of his books, the uh, Straight to the Heart series? He's done a brilliant series on Straight to the Heart. And because they're on, on um, books from the Bible. You can read through it. This year I've gone through Matthew and John and Psalms. I, I'm looking at Solomon at the moment. And I read a passage this morning, which I'm going to write to him because he's a friend of mine. I used to work with him. And it was on, it was on Proverbs 10. I've never seen some of the wisdom that he brought out. He brought out all the Hebrew nu- nuances because he taught himself he taught himself in his school holidays. He's a Cambridge University graduate. He taught himself in school holidays Greek and Hebrew. 
That was his continual, sustained, strenuous effort. And I'm learning from his Greek and Hebrew. So, oh, Phil, you have, to, you have a sharp brain and a big brain, a lot bigger than mine. And I thought, what he said about the, the Hebrew um, nuances, uh, you know, if, of this passage in Proverbs 10, you thought, wow, I understood the gospel from Proverbs in a whole new way. I'd sort of seen it almost as a sort of a string of, you know, wise sayings, which didn't, you know, a bit random. But no, he pieced it together. I thought, wow, that's, that's so insightful. It's brilliant. I never knew that. I'm going to write to him. I would recommend getting hold of Phil Moore's series. Get hold of Matthew if you've never read any. Get hold of John. Get hold of the Psalms. Get hold of Moses. Get hold of Romans. Get hold of any one thing. I'm going to dig at it. I'm going to just dig into it. You know, 10 minutes a day digging into the Word of God. Not little bits all over the place. No, a continued, sustained, strenuous effort. I'm going to give myself time. Get a chair. Get an armchair. Do you know an armchair can revolutionize your Christian life? You get an armchair. I thought, right, this is my chair. I'm going to read the Bible and pray. How many have got a chair? How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you can dig in there. I can read the Bible. You have chairs in Helsham? Well done. (laughs) Go for it. I'd say to young people, the most, do you know this? If, If you want God to use your life, There is no shortcut. It will come through. There's nobody God has ever used who doesn't know the word of God. It doesn't happen. They've dug in. They've got to know God. They've got to know his word. Get to know his word. It is the most insightful thing that you can ever, ever do. It will thrill you. It will fill your heart. It will be the most amazing. It will transform your life. It's the most amazing thing you could ever do is to read the word of God. It says, continue to work out your salvation. Not work for it, but to continue to work it out. And then he says this, and not only to continue to work it out, but do it with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling? Help. Is that how you approach the Bible, with fear and trembling? Remember when I was... Uh, 16, I was doing an engineering apprenticeship. And I sat in the general office, and you worked away doing the engineering apprenticeship. And Mr. Drinkwater, who was the head of the whole drawing office and the engineering section, he sat in a glass box at the end of the, the, end of the office. And he wouldn't speak to the likes of me. I was just nothing, nobody. And uh, there was an administrator there, and the the apprentices, we used to tease him and wind him up and, you know, all sorts of things. I don't think he liked us very much. And then one day, the administrator came to the end of my desk, and he stood there, and he says, uh, he had a bit of a smile on his face. He says, uh, Mr. Drinkwater wants to see you in his office now. And I thought... And at the time, fear and trembling, he's like, and you think, what have I done? Or in my case, what haven't I done? (laughs) And everything goes racing through your mind in literally fear and trembling. And I go and knock on this glass box at the end, come in, you know, you go in there. And there's there's another apprentice in there, a mate of mine. I thought, oh boy, we are in for the grilling of our life. We We both stand there. He doesn't even look up. 
And we're both standing there, fear and trembling. He's like, oh. And then suddenly he looks up and he says, uh, I have in my hand two tickets for Wimbledon. <laughs> this afternoon. He said, I'm unable to go because I have an important meeting. You two boys have been working quite well since you've been here. And I've heard good things. Would you like to go? I mean, at that point, <laughs> I, f I fainted. Like, that's not true. <laughs> I felt like fainting. I felt, you know. And he gave us these tickets to go to Wimbledon. It was amazing. But there was a sense of fear and trembling. It means a healthy respect, a healthy honor. Do you come to God's word like that? Do you come to him in prayer with a reverence and fear? With fear and trembling. Continue to work it out with fear and trembling. Oh, I'll just lay back and worry, you know. God knows any rate. Why pray if he knows any rate? You're waiting for an answer, aren't you? <laughs> okay. Because he wants fellowship. He wants to hear us ask. He wants to develop a relationship with us. He wants us to press into his presence to ask him for things. Stephen Lawson, who wrote a commentary on Philippines, the Philippians rather, he said, um, he said, joy of fear and trembling. He said, the word fear is not fear of a bully, but it's a healthy reverence of awe for God. Trembling, this indicates a quaking with fear. The phrase carries the idea of a Christian doing his utmost to fulfill his duty to work out his salvation with fear and trembling. And then he says this, and I think this is rather remarkable. He says, note that fear and trembling are recorded in a letter which speaks so much about joy. The gladness believers experience grows out of a fertile soil of fearing God with a reverential awe. Not a casual God, not a kindly grandfather in the sky, not a, not a, a big teddy bear, not a kitten. He's a lion who loves you. And because of this, we're called to tremble joyfully in our walk with him. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, we come to the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's our part. Then secondly, God's part. For it is God who works in you. You see, when we work, we suddenly find that God works. We, it's a little bit like... Um, like Ruth in, in the gleaning fields when she was going through and uh, she would pick up the little bits of corn and then, then Boaz and the others, sometimes they, they, would, they would get a handful of corn and they'd pour it out and she would, she would come along and she'd stumble across it. Wow! And we find when we do our little bit, we suddenly find that God opens up to us a whole treasure chest. You think, wow, this is amazing, this is amazing. You think, it's on every page. This is wonderful. This is the most exciting thing. I want to tell the world, yeah. 
And we find that God gives us a joy which helps us through sin. We find that God gives us a joy which helps us in our work. We find that God gives us a joy and peace which helps us in relationship. I know if I'm not right with God. I'll tell you what, my wife knows it too. But when we find that we're in the right place with God, that it affects everything we do. I had no desire ever to go to church growing up as a kid. When I became a Christian, I loved going to church. I love reading the Bible. I love praying. I used to read in the Bible. I used to, I used to love the bits where they, they tried to trick Jesus. They'd ask him a trick question. Now, uh, now Rabbi, we know you're a clever teacher. Um, uh, tell us, should we pay taxes to Caesar or not? And I'd close the Bible and think, what would I do? If you say yes, you'll get all the crowd against you. If you say no, you've got the Romans on duty. You can't give them no answer because that's failure. What, and what would you do? What would you do? And I thought, what would you do? What would you do? I said, I don't know. I thought, what did he do? And he said, what? Show me a coin. Whose face is it? Or Caesar's? Give to Caesar what belongs to him. And to God, what belongs to him? And when they heard that, they thought, we dare not ask him another question. I love those bits. I had no desire for the word of God. God gave me a desire. I had no desire to read Christian books. God gave me a book. God gave me a desire to read through a book. I've just read through a book on the crucifixions about... Uh, is magnificent, about 700 pages long, some quite heavy stuff, but you thought, wow, this is profound. I would never have done that years ago. Where did that come from? It came because God's at work in us. He's doing something at this. You would not never have found me in this place years ago. I'd never have found you here. Why are you here? Because God's doing a work in you. He's doing something in your heart. He's changing you from one degree of glory to another. It's God who's doing it. We've done a little bit. We picked up one seed. God's given us a handful, a bucketful. He's filled our hearts with the joy. He's changing us. He's working in us. What is his work like? What is his work in us like, therefore? It's God who's working in you now. It's first of all, it is this. It's four things. It's first of all, it's active. God is actively working in you now. It's what, another word, scientific word, kinetic. It's alive. Is buzzing. This is a power drill. This is a power drill. But this is not active power. That is static power. It's got potential, but nothing's happening. That is not, not how God is working in our life. Not. This is kinetic power. And one for you. <laughs> and it's not a gun, Paul. <laughs> it's God. He's actively today working in our life. Do you know the Bible uses a, a, a wonderful, wonderful word? It says in 2 Corinthians, it says, We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 
He's changing us from one degree of glory to another. Do you know what the word is used there where it says being transformed? It's a word, you all know the word. In a minute I say it, it's a word called metamorpho, from which we get metamorphosis. From which we get this, a butterfly. That is a process. You get a small caterpillar, eats himself full, falls asleep, gets big and fat and falls asleep. And then one day, out of this chrysalis, you sort of a wings emerge. It pumps the wings full of blood to strengthen them. And then, do you know, on a butterfly, at the end of each of its wings, it has little, little valves at the back. And so when the wings are pumped, the veins are pumped full of blood, it then opens these valves and lets the fluid out because the, he can't fly with the fluid in there, but the wings have now expanded and become strong. And then suddenly, this little caterpillar takes to the air. It's what we call metamorphosis. And it's the very word that God uses for you and me. We are being changed from one degree of glory into another, into the likeness of Jesus. By his spirit. It's God's work. He's the one who's doing it. We do our bit. But he's the one who's working in us. By his spirit. Not only is it active, but it's also effective. I've done some ineffective work. The other day I put a mirror on the wall. You know what's going to happen. I, got on the, I measured it. I got on the chair. I drilled the hole with the drill. Drilled the hole. Screwed. Put the mirror up, which was pretty heavy. And got down and looked at it. Yes. It was in the wrong place. So I thought, how have I done that? Quite easily. <laughs> It was ineffective work. I had to take it down. I had to re-drill, re-measure, move it over, and then get it in the center of the wall. How many of you have heard of this? It would be the older, older folks who will have heard of this. How many have heard of the TSR2? Anybody heard of the TSR2? The TSR2, it was designed in the 1950s to be the highest performing aircraft in the world. When I was in the church in Woking, that we had a we had a brilliant, brilliant engineer, scientist engineer, who worked for 15 years of his life designing this aircraft. 15 years, he's one of the leading designers on it, working on the TSR2. In 1965, I think through the lack of funds, but the government just decided to cancel it, scrap it. So he spent 15 years working on this aeroplane, which in a sense never flew. That is not how God's work is in us. His work is effective. He gets the mirror right. He causes the aircraft to fly very well. His work is very, very effective in your life. It's active now. It's effective. And then also this, it's powerful. This is a most staggering verse in the New Testament. It says this, in Ephesians 1.18, he says, I pray, and this is the Apostle Paul praying, he's praying for us, I pray that the eyes of your heart, that means our understanding, may be enlightened in order that they may know the hope to which he has called you. 
the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And then it says this, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as his mighty strength which he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. You say, what is his power like? What is, what is the power of God like? Tell me what the power of God's like. Well, here goes the Apostle Paul. He's explaining it. His power. His power, his power is like this. His power, well, it's incomparable. What does incomparable mean? It's incomparable. You can't understand it. You don't, it's, inco- you, it's incomparable. It's great. It's power. Dynamic. Incomparable, great power. I'll tell you what it's like. It's, in, it's, it's incomparable. You can't understand it. Um, well, what's that like then? And he says, well, well, it, well it's, 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 like, it's like he's sort of mighty strength. He thought, well, that's a big help. What's that like? It's like his mighty strength. He's incomparable, great power for us. He's like his mighty strength. And then he goes on and says, oh, yes. It is like the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that works in you. And it's the power that disarms two massive enemies that you carry. Number one, sin. The power of Christ can help you overcome sin clearly in your life today and me. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the power that was victorious over sin. And it was also the power that was exercised over the grace over death that he will give you victory over death. The Christian has already passed from death to life. I went to a funeral not so far from here, Stephanie Smith's, which was in Eastbourne. Some of you may have been there. It was a glorious time. And the reason why, she said she didn't want people to talk about her. She wanted people to praise Jesus and worship him. And we praised Jesus and worshipped him. Why? Because he was the saviour of her life. She lives and is alive forevermore. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. Do you believe this? <laughs> and then he demonstrates it by raising Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, come out! He stands up and walks out, and people are astonished. He says the same to you and me. The power that raised Jesus from the dead will give you victory over sin. But it will also give you victory over your physical body, which God will raise one day to be like his glorious body. A glorious body, sown in corruption, raised in glory. Sown with dishonor, raised with power. That's what God's done. That's the power that's at work in us. Does anybody say hallelujah? That's how it is, folks. The incomparable great power, which is like the working of his, his mighty strength. Well, what's that like? Well, it's, it's, I'll tell you what it's like. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's what it is. It will give you victory over sin and death. It's active. It's effective. It's powerful. And then this. Is completeness. 
Do you know Philippians at the start? He says in verse 6, chapter 1, verse 6, he says that he who began a good work in you is the one who's going to carry it on to completion. God will fulfill his good purpose for your life. Here's a word for any, everybody here. God will fulfill. He doesn't have half-finished projects around. He's going to fulfill the work he's got for every single one of your lives. He's going to do it. He's working on it now. You think, where's God in this? You'll find a way through. God's still actively at work in your life right now. Some years ago, some friends asked us around for dinner for the first time. We went into the house and I saw the hallway and I said, oh, are you decorating the hallway? Um, So the wife looked at me and she said, he started it three years ago. (laughs) So I said, oh, (laughs) very nice. Then we walked into the dining room and I noticed that that was half finished. So I said, oh, you're doing that, the dining room as well? She said, he started that five years ago. Then I walked into the kitchen and the kitchen was just a, a sink standing in the middle with a, 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 you know, the pipe, what do you call it, a tap? <laughs> a tap coming into it. And there wasn't a cupboard anywhere. They were a pile of flat packs on the floor. So I said, you, you're doing the kitchen as well? She said, he started that 12 years ago. And suddenly it all came out. It all came out. But our husband, and we ended up talking about this, He had loads and loads of bright ideas. Start this! And he was brilliant with ideas, brilliant at starting things. He couldn't finish anything. So this was unfinished, that was unfinished, that was unfinished. And what it did, it it spoke of hundreds of jobs, loads of jobs everywhere that was finished. There was even a motorbike in the front garden that he was going to repair. But there were weeds growing right up through the saddle and right up and out the other side of it. She says, oh, it's been there years. And he's like, everything was a bright idea. This is going to be great. That's going to be great. We'll have a racing car. We'll, have a motor. we'll do this and do that. But she didn't finish any of it. <laughs> the Bible says this. <laughs> he says, he who began the good work is going to complete it. His incomparable, great power for us, for Steve Redding, who believe that he raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power of God that's actively at work in my life today and your life, changing us from one degree of glory into another so that we can live and dwell in the presence of God forever and ever and ever and ever. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Well, God's at work in you. (laughs) He's effective. He's active. He's incredibly powerful. And what he started, he's going to complete. Hallelujah. Let's stand.